0: Good morning everybody. Welcome to the Digital Cathedral this morning. Hope you've had a good week and you're looking forward to the week that is in front of you. This morning we're going to begin our study on the book of John. I've been telling you for several weeks that this is going to be a book that we look at this year. I'm not going to go through it verse by verse like I did Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians and Colossians last year. But I want to look at some of the highlights in the book of John because it's such a powerful, interesting book and I think it adds a dimension and a perspective that we need to have at this point in our spiritual development. Now, I'm not going to look at it every week. I want to take three weeks, this week and the next two weeks, to kind of introduce the book to you. And then probably every third week or so, we will take another look at what is going on in the book of John. I want to to hit some highlights, not verse by verse, but we're going to look at some of the incidents and some of the, the happenings that John recorded from his perspective. Now I want to open up, this might seem a little strange, but I want to open up with the introduction that John makes in 1st John and then we'll go to the Gospel of John. But here's what I, I want you to see because John is considered, let me say this before I read it, John is considered the latest of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Yet it's the only book in the entire Bible that we are absolutely sure that was written by one of the original 12 that traveled with Jesus. The only one that we're absolutely sure. So John gives us firsthand information. John gives us a firsthand account, insight, and revelation into the things that Jesus taught and the life that he lived. We know for sure that Mark and Luke were traveling companions with Paul. So everything that Mark and Luke wrote are from a second-generation handed-down expression of what others said Jesus said and Jesus taught. They're, Mark and Luke are not firsthand uh, accounts. There's absolutely no question about that. Now the, the, the book of Matthew is interesting because it does bear the name of the disciple, the apostle that traveled with Jesus, and yet modern scholars have some real questions about the authenticity of Matthew as being written by Matthew himself, there's no really internal or external evidence that Matthew was written by Matthew the tax collector. In fact, one of the interesting things I pick up from the book of Matthew is that much of it was written in third person. It's they rather than me or us as John records. So let me, let me just read a little bit, but that's, that's another study for another day. I'm not discounting Matthew, I'm not saying Matthew was not written by the apostle. Uh, Matthew, but I'm just saying there is some question to that. We know Mark and Luke absolutely were not written by apostles. They they were not first-hand accounts of the life of Jesus. Matthew, there's a little bit of of doubt about it, but John is the one that we know absolutely for sure. So that in mind, let me just read what John has to say about his first-hand account of recording the life of Jesus. I want to take this from 1st John because the Gospel of John opens right up at the beginning. We'll get to that in just a minute. But here's what John says about himself and his writing regarding Jesus. First John chapter 1, verse 1. I'm just going to read down through verse 5. He says, That which we that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and we've handled it with our hands concerning the word of life, who is Jesus. Verse 2. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Verse three, that which we have seen and that which we have heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Now let me read this fifth verse as well. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So John makes absolutely no bounds of it When he writes, he's saying I'm writing from a first hand account. Now, again, I'm not discounting. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not discounting. I'm not saying Matthew, Mark and Luke, which are called synoptic gospels. And the reason they're called synoptic Gospels, you may run into that term, is because much of what was written in Matthew, Mark, and Luke is the same thing. It, it, which brings me back to Matthew. It seems a little strange to me if Matthew was uh, a firsthand account, that he almost he almost copies word for word Mark's gospel. And it would seem strange to me that if someone had a firsthand account that it, they would almost cut and paste the the Gospel of Mark and recorded as themselves. It would seem like if Matthew were really the first-hand account that he would have had some originality as John does. John's not part of the Synoptic Gospels. He records things in an entirely different light and an entirely different way. Matthew, Mark, and Luke more than likely were passed down traditions that they had received second or third-hand. Now Paul, Paul does a masterful job at this. Have you ever noticed in um, all of Paul's writings that he never makes mention to any of Jesus' parables? Never makes mention of Jesus' miracles? Never talks about the ministry of Jesus? And I think that's because uh, Paul had the respect that he did not have firsthand eyewitness accounts. The only contact that Paul had with Jesus is when Jesus confronted him on the Damascus Road. So Paul didn't know firsthand the miracles, the parables, the teachings of Jesus. And I think, I think there's a lot of, lot of uh, respect, if I could use that word, that Paul did not allude to the things of Jesus. Paul, Paul brought to the table the revelations that he received directly from the Spirit of Truth. So John's gospel is powerful. John's gospel is unique. It is a first-hand eyewitness account. And so for those reasons, when we read John, I think that we can expect, because it's a first-hand account, I think that we can expect some insight and some revelation into what Jesus taught. John's John's gospel is about the kingdom and this world not being part of the kingdom, that the kingdom is apart from this world, that it's within you. And uh, that's the perspective that John takes. John's Gospel is written basically around the seven teachings that Jesus gave, which speak of our true identity and our nature. All of them begin with I am. The the, the Gospel of John is woven around the seven I am's of Jesus. I am the bread of life, I am the door, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the light of the world, I am the good shepherd, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the true vine. So we're we're gonna look at some of that in the Gospel of John and they all begin with I am. John's big on I am. In fact, in the eighth chapter of John, he proclaims that before Abraham was, Jesus said, I am. So when you come through the book of John, the reason I really want to nail down this book is because John is the book, this is the gospel, that gives us the revelation of oneness. This is the gospel that talks about non-duality. It's it is the the gospel of non-duality. And what, what I mean by that, John presents no separation between the father son and holy spirit and then john is very meticulous at bringing us into that non-duality into that there's no two, there's no two there's one father son holy spirit and then john brings us into that into that relationship where there's absolutely no separation when we get to the 14th chapter of john and i've quoted this verse i don't know how many times john records it like this jesus said in that day you'll know that I am in the Father, and that you're in me, and I'm in you. John's the only one to record something like that. And he does that to show that there's absolutely no separation. I get a little bit disturbed today at people that teach no separation, that teach union, that teach oneness. But when you really get down to the nitty-gritty, they do bring separation in. There is always some separation in the teaching of most grace teachers today, of of paracarricians. Parachritic teachers, that they they bring it down and at some point there's separation. John didn't see separation. John didn't see any separation at all. So uh, I, I like that he left no crack in the idea of union. He left no crack in the idea of separation or, or two-ness. And that's one reason I, I, I wanna look at the Gospel of John because I feel like at this stage in our development, we, we need to really nail this down, that there is not two, there is not God in you. There's oneness. So let's, let's begin the study today. Can we do that? I'm just gonna hit the first five verses of the first chapter. Having said what I said, we're gonna, we're going to rock your world with some of the, the things we uncover in the Gospel of John because they're, they're going to be beyond what you're going to hear taught at church. John, John brings some things to the table that if you're honest with yourself and you leave yourself open to the spirit of truth, they're going to blow up a lot of what you've, what you've been taught. So let's begin, let's begin our study. Let's look at this Gospel of non-duality. That's, that's the overall view of the Gospel of John. There's not two. In that day you'll know. This is the day that we need to know that Jesus is in the Father and that we're in Jesus and Jesus is in us, period, paragraph, end of story, oneness, no duality. So let's go to John chapter one and I wanna read the first five verses and there's no possible way that we can even do these these first five verses justice So much truth, so much revelation in just these first five verses. And like I say, Luke Luke begins at the birth of Jesus, the other gospels begin at other places, but John starts at the beginning, which is where we should always start. Church sometimes starts with with the cross or with the fall or with creation, but John goes back before any of that took place and he gives us some fantastic insight. First five verses, let me read it, and then we're going to unwind it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made, speaking about the Word. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Comprehend it's a bad word. A better word would be extinguish it. The dark cannot extinguish the light. There was a man sent from from God whose name was John. But let me just stop at verse 5. And the light shines in the world and the darkness did not did not have the power or the ability to extinguish it. Didn't comprehend it. Couldn't couldn't grasp it. Now I'm gonna come back to these these four verses. But he says, he starts it out, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Starts at the start, I, I like that. I like that about John, because he's laying a foundation. As the chapter unfolds, it becomes apparent that the word John speaks of is, listen to me, the word that he speaks of is the Christ is the Christ. The creative word is the Christ. Not just the human name Jesus, but the universal Christ who was present at creation. The divine Christ or the, or the word that became flesh. Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's not his last name. Christ was the word that created all things. The word that was in the beginning was the I am that I am. Remember, that's how God defined himself. I am that I am. The word that was in the beginning, the Christ that created all things, is the I am that I am. This I am is what is meant in John when he uses the word God, right? That's that's what he's using. It clearly says that the word was God that word affirms the divinity of Christ. I'm going to say something right here and it's probably going to shock you uh, but I I will explain it as we get into the book of John but right off the bat Jesus is not mentioned in John chapter 1 till down about verse 15 he gets into the the word becoming flesh okay so it gets down about verse 15. But these first few verses is talking about the Christ, the creative Word of God that was with God and was God. It's called the Word. Now Christ, Christ is the uh, glue that holds the Father, the Son, and the Spirit together as one. They all operate out of out of the Christ. Now just don't get don't freak out on me. Just give me a chance. To unwind it and explain it as we go along, but just I'm just laying this down, just crock potted. If it seems a little strange, the word was with God, and the word was God. So the the word the word affirms the divinity of Christ. His word def- defines and it uh, and affirms the identity of God. If you sum up the Gospel of John, it can be summed up with the I am that I am. The word was. The word was was the Christ. Christ is the very creative power of God. Now just stay with me. The word was Christ, the very creative power of God. Now notice in that first verse it says, let me, let me read it again, because I want, I want you to get this for yourself. Verse one and two. In the beginning was the word, the word was, was with God. That sounds like two, right? The word is with God. If I am with you, there's two of us. But then he says, and the word was God. So the two become the one. They become intertwined. They become in union together. To be with God, verse one, implies two. And then the two become the one. They were one with distinction. They were one with, with a different function. that's that's the way this whole thing operates and this is something we have never recognized the father the son and holy spirit are one but there is a distinction that is based upon operation their job description is different for example jesus always points to the father he said if you've seen me you've seen the father everything that jesus did was to disclose the totality of the Father. Now I'm getting into some heavy stuff here, and this this is gonna blow you up, I know. The Spirit always pointed to Jesus. He always he, he never spoke about himself. The Holy Spirit, Spirit never never talks about himself. He always points to Jesus. Why? Because his function is to reveal Jesus. Does that mean the Spirit is not deity, that the Spirit is not God? Absolutely, he's God but his function is to point to Jesus. Jesus, I'm going to get into some of Jesus, Jesus always points to the Father. Does that mean that Jesus is not 100% God? Absolutely not, but that his function with distinction, his, his, his deity with distinction is to point to the Father. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit makes up the Godhead and it's, and it's the Christ the word that holds these together. I said all of that. I, I've said that to bring you down to verse 4. And please, just crockpot that. Just, I shouldn't have probably gone that far with it because I, one reason I want to study John is because of how he unwinds the Christ as, as, as the essence of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right. Now I said all that to bring you down to verse 4 where now we are brought into the picture. We are brought into this circle with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit through Christ. In verse 4 it says this. Watch, verse 4. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now there's two words for life, basic words in the, in the uh, Greek for life. One is bios where so we get the word biology it means it means natural biological life and the other is the word zoe z o e, which which is the very life of God himself it's the essence of God zoe is the very essence of God you can you you cannot separate zoe from God's essence I'm sorry some try some always try to say well, it's not it's not the same no zoe is the essence of God. The word that he uses in verse 4 is the word zoe. It's the very essence. It's the very God being. It's it's, it's who he is. So in verse 4, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So God takes his essence, His the zoe, his very self, and it becomes the light of man. Verse 4 is not bios, not natural life. It's zoe, spiritual life. So when I say that the gospel of John is a gospel of non-duality, I think that you can see, I mean we're only down to verse 4, and already you can see that the Father, that God, has taken his life and put it into man. He has taken of his essence, the, the very core of his being, everything that he is, and he deposits it fully into man. So when I talk about the Gospel of John as a Gospel of non-duality it means that the Father, the Son, the Spirit, and you and you have been brought into union together. So he lets us know right off by verse 4 that you and me are in on this whole thing from the very beginning. We are in on it from the very beginning. Now where your distinction arises is in function doesn't mean doesn't mean that you're lesser than i'm going to get into some stuff here that's going to get me in a lot of trouble when god takes his life his essence the the very core of his being and inserts it into you there's no separation there i'm sorry there's no separation there's oneness now the distinction comes with your function the distinction of the father and the son comes with function The distinction of the Spirit and Jesus comes with function. We could call it, uh, Paul talks about measure of rule, metron, different portion of authority, a level of operation. And that's where the distinction arises. It's not in essence, it's it's not in core of being, it's in function. My function is not to be Jesus. My function is not to be the Holy Spirit. My function is not the Father. My My function is Don Keithley. But Don Keithley has the very essence, as you do, as every one of us has within themselves, what the Father has implanted into us by the word, by the Christ. Christ is in you, and we're going to look at some scripture before we're done this morning. That's why it's so important what Paul taught about the Christ that is in us the Christ that is in us. It all all evolved out of this first part that John is teaching. So these first three verses, he ties the word who is Christ to God, and yet he brings it into union and oneness with with a distinction of function. Now that is what we have not been taught. People have been very afraid of saying that we're gods. I'm not at all afraid to say that because of what John just taught us in these first four verses. But what I will stand for is that I have a distinction of function. My function, my measure of rule, is not what the Father's is, but I'm the same stuff. He's taken of what he is and implanted it into me. I'm sorry, you cannot look at it any other way. I'm not Jesus, he's my older brother. His, his function was different than mine. I, did not, I was not sent to this planet to die for the sins of mankind. Jesus was, that was his function. That was his measure of rule, that was his authority. I hope I'm getting through with this. See, we have way undersold who we are. We, we've way looked at a dismal light because of the fear that we're gonna think too highly of ourselves. My, my, my thing is this, I'm not worried about us thinking too highly of ourselves. What, I'm, what I have seen for all of my life in the church is that we have thought lesser of ourselves than what we should. So in verse 4, he transitions and he has the Christ who is the word imparting Zoe, the very essence in life of God to man. Now, I better, I better just stop it right there. So it's the light or what brings us out of darkness is the very life of God. I think that you can see that. It's it's the universal Christ bringing the very life of God to mankind universally. He didn't just put it in one man. The word, it says in verse verse 4, in him was life and the life was the light of men. He's he's talking about the Christ here, the Christ, the functioning of the Christ, the functioning. Now, did, did Jesus exist eternally? Absolutely. Did you exist eternally? My impression is yes, because we were placed in Christ before the foundation of the world. Now, does that start to make it a little bit clearer? The Christ was functioning and operating within you before the foundation of the world. You were placed in him before the foundation of the world. Jesus objectively was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. That's his function. That was his mission. That was his job. You and I began the function and the job with distinction of what we came to this planet to to accomplish also. Now let me just go ahead a little bit and drop down to verse nine. We'll come. We'll come to verse nine in the weeks are ahead. But let me just drop down to him. It says that, now. Remember, we just read in in verse four. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Right. So this light that is that that he sh- that he shone on us was was Zoe. It was the very life of God. Now it says in verse nine, this was the true light which gives light to every man that comes into the world. So every man that comes into the world has received this light, which is the life, the Zoe of God. Some of you are clicking off because I've lost you. I, I, I Probably so. So this Zoe ties us to God, his very life, his very being, his very essence. That he, he's taken it and he's deposited it in everybody. Can you see that in verse nine? This light that was the life, the Zoe, lights every man now that that little flicker it's not burning bright in a lot of people I'll tell you that for sure but that's that's what true evangelism is is to fan that flame to flip the switch so that people can see the light of the Christ that is in them the life of God the Christ the life the Zoe of God that inhabits them now do you understand a big deal that Paul goes through and his insistence on Christ in you as the very hope of glory. Now we've talked a lot about the importance of us being in Christ, but I'm gonna tell you what's really powerful is to get a, get your head around and get an understanding of the Christ that is in you. It's good I'm in Christ, but I'll tell you what, if you don't know who the Christ is, then you're not gonna tap the power. You're not gonna live on the level that you should live. Paul was insistent about getting us in Christ, in Christed us, in the very life that we're living. I'm gonna run you through five or six verses. I just need to really nail this down. Second Corinthians chapter 13 verse five. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse five. I'm not gonna take time to expound on these because I don't have time, uh, but I want you to see how important Paul laid out the the importance of the Christ that is in us and, and, and what this Christ contains. And we come back to John chapter one, those first five verses, Christ is the operative creative force of God himself that has been deposited into you. Now do you understand why I've been so strong on you being a creator? You're not just a manifester, you're a creator, the creator of the universe, the Christ dwells within you. Do you think he stopped creating? Absolutely not. He has created all that has been created, visible, invisible principalities, powers, and he's made it available to you to bring from the unseen to the seen through your thoughts, your imagination, the fullness of your heart, and the power of the words that you speak. But until you get a realization of, the, of, the, of this Christ that is in you, and see how magnanimous and how big and powerful he is, you're not going to know how big and powerful you are. You're going to keep yourself undersold as just being a human. Now look what Paul says. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. I'm just going to hit these six verses and run. (laughs) Examine yourselves as to whether you are of the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? well, I, I'm just going to leave that, that Jesus Christ is in you. He said, if, if you are if you are not disqualified, then he says in verse six, I trust you know that you are not disqualified. So you're qualified. Uh, what is it? Ephesians 2.12 that says, he, Father has qualified us. So you're qualified. Christ is in you. All right, let's keep, let's roll some more. Let's come back to Romans chapter eight and verse 10. Romans chapter eight and verse 10. Ten says this and if Christ is in you the body is dead because of sin but the spirit is life because of righteousness if Christ is in you know we just read that he's in you so again Paul says that you understand that the Christ is in you now the body is dead the body said but the spirit is the one that brings life all right let's come down to Galatians chapter 2 Galatians chapter 2, Paul was so strong about this that we, we just we just can't, can't miss what he says. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ, yet it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. You can't be any more direct, you can't be any more clear than what Paul says that you were crucified with Christ. It's appointed unto man once to die, you've died your death. You died your death with Christ. Uh, Second Corinthians says that if one died for all, then all died. You died your death with Christ and not, you're not living anymore. This is the awakening. This is the realization we're coming into. It. You're not living anymore. Well, who's living? Christ in you. The Christ in you is doing the living. Galatians chapter 4 verse 19. I said I wasn't going to teach it. Galatians chapter 4 verse 19. My little children of whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you or until you awaken, until you come to the realization, quit teaching it, until you come to the realization of, of who this Christ is that is in you. John's gonna, John lays this out. John's through, We're going to go through the gospel of John. You're going to see by the time we're done with the book, The idea of any duality, of any separation, I don't care how fine you slice the cheese, you got to let that stuff go. There is no separation. I don't care what the oneness and the union uh, people are teaching. When it comes down to it, they want to make a separation. Now distinction, yes, because of function. My function is different, but don't take away from my deity. My identity is deity. That is my authentic identity. John chapter 1 and verse 4. The very life of God was deposited into us. Ephesians chapter 3. A little bit to the right. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. So where is Christ? He is within you. One more. Colossians chapter 1. A little bit more to the right, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles. All Gentiles, raise your hand. He said, All right, here's, here's the riches of the mystery. It's been a mystery, now we see it. What is the mystery? It's Christ in you, the very hope of glory, or the, the hope of the full manifestation of the Son of God. Again, we've talked a lot about who we are in Christ, but but the power comes from the full understanding and the realization, which John's trying to unwind to us, of the Christ that is within us, the power, the creativity of the Christ in us. That's who we are. See, if any man is in Christ, saying, you, know, you know the verse, 2 Corinthians 5:17. It's not an evangelism verse. It's not a verse to get somebody to pray the prayer. It's, it's, it's a realization of the power of the Christ that is in us and what it has made us to be. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. New create, never existed on the planet before. New creation. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. We're walking, we're walking on this planet as in Christed people. Do you understand that? It's the very life of God, the essence. I'm going to say that word, essence, because it, it just irks, it irks some of the union teachers because they want to make us a different essence. No, you're not different essence. You're different by your function, what you have been called to do, what you have been called to fulfill, our identity. Full throttle function comes from this Christ that is within us. It's no longer I who live. It's no longer I who live. It's the Christ in me. He's doing the living. You can't live at a higher dimension than what you see the Christ in you. So let me ask you something this morning. How do you measure how big is the Christ that is within you? What do you see him as? Christ in us elevates our identity. Christ in us and Christ as Jesus made the flesh man who he was. Christ in and as Jesus made Jesus the flesh man who he was. All right, stop right there. Listen to me. Jesus was fully God, 100 percent, and Jesus was hundred percent man. 100 percent, fully. Jesus was the man, the human. Jesus was not born into the planet subjectively until Mary gave birth. He had a natural birth. The Christ is the deity of Jesus that makes him a hundred percent God. Can, can you grasp that? Can you agree with that? Jesus is 100% man, 100% God. It's the birth of Jesus that made him 100% human. It was the Christ that made him 100% divine. Jesus was 100-100. wasn't 50-50. He was 100-100. Now watch this. John 1.16, jumping ahead a little bit. And of his fullness we have all received. Fullness of what? 100% humanity, 100% deity, of his fullness we've all received. You know the verse, 1 John 4:17. as he is, how is he? He's 100% man, 100% God. As he is, so are we in this world. John chapter 17, verse 18, Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you into the world. How did the Father how did the Father send Jesus into the world? He sent him into the world as fully man and fully God. He sent him in fully equipped. We just read it. We just read it in Colossians chapter 1 verse 27. That this mystery unveiled, this mystery that has now been brought to light. This mystery that has made been made manifest is the Christ that is in you. And this Christ is the word of God that was the creative power that formed everything that was formed. It is within you. Turn him loose. Don't limit yourself. Who is this Christ? What is he? This Christ that is in me. What Does the Bible tell me what he is? Absolutely it does. Can I give you a verse? All right, let me just blow the top off of your head this morning. First Corinthians chapter one. First Corinthians chapter One, and I'm gonna read one verse, and this is gonna disclose to you the Christ that has been planted within you, that is the very life, the very essence, the very reality of God himself. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 24. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, watch, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. What What is the Christ that is within you? I don't care if you're a Jew or you're a Greek. Paul said the Christ that is in you is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Can you deal with that? Can you handle it? Can you accept that? Can you at least see you? you I, I know you didn't hear. You've never heard this. You've been in church all your life. said under teaching the same message every week just with a different title. I know I've been there. Can you accept what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 24 that Christ is the wisdom of God and the power of God? Then understand that the wisdom of God and the power of God has been what has been given to you in the Christ. Christ in you. Christ. We just read six verses that Paul went to great length to make sure you understood Christ is in you. We just read in John chapter 1 verse 3 that he took of his very life and this life became the light of man. Light is what shines. Light is what reveals. Light is what exposes. So this is exposing that what we're seeing. We're exposing who we are. We've never had it exposed to us. I'm exposing it. Probably going to lose friends over it. Probably going to be called a heretic again. <laughs> that seems to be my title with many in some circles, even on the internet. It's okay. I'm bringing you to the measure of the stature of the fullness of who? Jesus? No. Christ. The deity, the divine you, your identity, your authentic identity is absolutely divinity. Digital cathedral, we have so undersold, underestimated what and who the new creation is, who this Christ is that is within us. Nobody's broken it down. I'm breaking it down, at least on a low level. I'm gonna break it down a lot more for you. And if I've blown the top of your head off this morning, you just hang on because 2022, the best is yet to come. We've, we, we have insulted. We've insulted the Christ who is in us by, by diminishing what he is within us. We've, we've insulted, I believe we have insulted the spirit of truth because we have stopped him from revealing I'm talking to grace people. I'm talking to some of you finished work people. You all of a sudden have put the brakes on. You've put the brakes on and you have created separation. Now, I do have a distinction, but the distinction is not in my essence. The distinction is in function. I am made of the God stuff. There's no question about it. I don't, you you cannot get around it. Am Am I going to demonstrate everything that Jesus demonstrated? Maybe not. Because my function is different. You know what my function is? To do what I'm doing. As a God. Do you know what your 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 function is? To do what you're doing. You say, well, I don't feel like I'm doing very much. My life has, you know, my life isn't public. I haven't done a whole I don't I don't care if what you're doing is flipping burgers at McDonald's. You you are you are God in the flesh that is in McDonald's and you're shining a light. I don't care if you're part of a car club maybe that's your deal when you go and show your car you're you're the christ that has come into that car club and you're shining the light come on let's let's be at least be reasonable here christ in you gives you access it has brought you in automatically because of what jesus did it's part of the finished work of the cross christ has brought you into being Fully one with the Father, giving you a divine nature. Oh, but but you know, that's just, I guess God little dabble, do you divine? No, you have it all. It's a matter now of you in awakening and letting it grow within you. So again, I ask you, how do you measure the Christ in you? How big is he? I will assure you that however big you've measured him, you haven't measured him big enough yet. I haven't measured it big enough yet, and I feel like I'm pushing the envelope so far that some of you are probably going to leave the digital cathedral and think that i I've gone too far. No, I haven't gone far enough. What what is Christ? What is the power of this Christ in me? What has He enabled me to do? He's enabled me to be filled with the fullness of God Himself. Isn't that isn't that what Paul prayed? Uh, uh, let me just take a little rabbit trail here. That's what he prayed, I think, over in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 19. Watch this. Ephesians chapter 3, 19. He says that you might know the love of, uh, love of Christ. The love of Christ. Paul, Paul draws a lot of distinction between Jesus and the Christ. There is a distinction. Jesus was the human. Christ was the divine. 100% human, 100% divine. Don Keithley is the human. The Christ in me is the divine. I am 100% human, but my nature is divine. I can't get around it. Watch what he says. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Did you get it? All right. So that's what Christ has done in me. He's given me his mind. I have the mind of Christ. Not trying to attain it, not trying to achieve it. I have it. Does it always function in perfection? No, it's because I'm learning to grow and I'm learning to, I'm, I, I got, I'm functioning subjectively in the mind of Christ a lot more than I ever have, but objectively it has always been within me. I just didn't have the light of it. I've come to, I, I, I'm coming to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, right? I'm seated with him in heavenly places. Does that sound like just a mere human being to you? Does that just, does that sound like something that has been made over? And I'm afraid that there are still people that are just trying to make us over as human beings into the best that we can be. No, that's not who we are. We're new creations. We've never existed before. We're awakening to it. It's, it's bypassed the church. Church isn't gonna accept this. Do you think the National Association of Evangelicals will ever buy into what I'm saying? It'd be a miracle if it were, if they did. <laughs> man, we're five verses into, into chapter one of John, and already you can, you can see that you are filled with the God kind of life. Let me just jump your head a little bit, because you gotta get it, man. I, I can't leave you today without least planting that seed in there So that it can start to grow. I'm going to do John for three weeks in a row. And then we're going to jump to some other things. Then we'll just kind of insert John as we go. But there's so much in this book of John. Five verses in it. And you're already filled with the very life of God. The very essence of God. John chapter 1 verse 4. In him was life, Zoe. The very life of God. Who God is. And that life was the light of men. Verse 9. Verse 9. This was the true light, which gives light, which is the life of God to every man coming into the world. And verse 16 says, and of his fullness, we have all received and grace for grace. Now I don't have time to get into it, but I will. But verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. There's so much in that verse. Let me, let me just give you a little sliver. The word became flesh, the word sarx, it's, it's a, it's Flesh, all flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The translators were really afraid of what that word was. The actual Greek word is not among. It's it's in. E-N. You can look it up in a concordance. I don't care. Check it out. It should read, And the word became flesh and dwelt in us. All of us. The word became flesh and dwelt in us. sarks. The word became human and hit that word dwelt in all of us. Let me, let me just leave that right there. Here's, here's what I want you to understand so far. These three verses, these first three verses of John chapter one sets the stage for the entire book of John. If you don't get the first three, four or five verses of the book of John and give them their full sway, their full dimension, you're never going to get the rest of John. We, we are unreservedly, tied to the very life of God Himself, expressed as Christ, the creator of all things. That's, what, that's who we are. We're tied to that. We're in union with that. There are no twos. There's no twos. There's no you and Him. He takes you and, and forms you and fills you with who He is you're decreasing he's increasing that's your awakeness see that's what john said i got to decrease he's got to increase that's what's going on right now this new wine is being poured into that new wine skit, and you're decreasing but he's increasing this is the sense of identity this is a sense of who you are this is what first adam lost and first adam then passed it on generation to generation till it's come down to the church today and that's the church has lost their authentic identity. The church has lost everything pretty much that we're talking about this morning. And if you went in and, and, and taught this, they'd take your ordination certificate away from you and not allow you access to the pulpit, but they wouldn't have allowed Jesus to teach either. They wouldn't have allowed Paul. Absolutely, Paul would have been kicked out of the National Association of the Evangelical Church and would have been uh, blackballed from anybody reading his books. Anybody reading his books? Christ is the life of God. Are you with me? He is the life of the Son. He is the life of the Spirit, expressing who they are as you. The Christ in you should be expressing the Father. The Christ in you, because he's the life of God, he will express the Father, express the Son, and express the Spirit. <clears throat> spirit of Truth it will unveil all of this. You have the fullness of the Godhead within you. That's what that's that's what having Christ in you means. It means you've got the fullness of the whole thing and that's what John's getting at back in those first five verses. This is your light that is set on a hill, right? You're the light of the world. What, what does that mean? It means that you're the demonstration of the life The Christ in you is a demonstration of the life of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. John does does such a great job of laying foundation down those first three verses. Then he explains it. He's gonna come through the book and show how it works in the life of Jesus. He's gonna give us a lot of insight. The fifth verse says that the light comes into the world, right, you're into the world, and the world cannot extinguish your light. No matter how hard it tries, it will never extinguish your light. Let it shine. Let it shine. The solution to every dark problem is light. The answer to every dark circumstance is light. I wish I could get people to do that. Stop fighting the darkness. Stop shadow boxing with with what you have empowered that has no power. Shine the light on it. See, the darker the world gets, the more empowered evil becomes because man has empowered it, the brighter your light's going to be. The more the life in you that contrasts death which is passing away is going to become evident. He has delivered you from the power of darkness. So quit, quit playing around with it. And he's translated you into the kingdom of God's dear son. How did he do that? Through the liberating light that shines in you, which is the Zoe of the father himself. Okay guys, I'm 49 minutes and 20, 49 minutes and 26 seconds into this. I think I've unloaded enough. This is one you need to go back and hear two or three times because I'm going to hit John for three weeks, this week and the next two weeks, and then we're going to, we're going to go back. We need to, we, uh, there's so much in 2022 I want to teach. I I need like Sunday, three days a week so that I can get this all out. I may have to do a one-man conference this year. I don't know. I'm thinking about doing a one-man conference that you could enroll and come to. Anyway, this has been good. Been profitable, been deep, been rich, and I hope that some of it sticks. At least your mind has been open to some things that maybe you've never seen before. Go back and listen. Look at those verses of John for yourself. First five verses of chapter one. It's all we got through today. You can imagine how long it's going to take to get through all the chapters of John. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for support. Uh, If you'd like to give to the ministry, if you'd like to help us keep going and expand, there's some things we want to do this year that just depends on how God opens up some streams of income. If you'd like to support us, you can do that on the website. There's a PayPal click on that. You can help help us in what we're doing. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for prayer. Thank you for having skin in the game. We'll see you next Sunday morning. Digital Cathedral will carry and we'll pick up on the second uh, investment in the Gospel Jet. Don't forget see you Wednesday night at the secret place We'll talk about some of this more with some different angles and insights to it. So don't miss that. It's on the Don Keithley ministry page. If you're not part of that page, it's a private group. You'll have to ask to join. You ask to join, I will I'll, I'll we'll accept your, your uh, invite, your invitation to come into that group. Make sure you hit the subscribe on on the YouTube. Hit the subscribe, hit the like, and leave a comment. And that'll be great. God bless you. See you next time.